Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Please pray with me. Father, thank you so much for the joy of coming together and worship your name. It's our privilege. It's our honor. We are so happy to be, Lord, with one another. So will you please speak into our hearts, speak into our souls, into our minds, and allow us, Lord, to receive from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Buenos dias, Emmanuel Faith. It's good. It's so good to be here this morning. It's been actually a year and a half since the last time that I preached from this platform. And, and I'm sure that we can all agree that a lot of things have, have happened in the last 18 months. We are going through a worldwide pandemic and our country experienced some social and political tensions. And for sure, we are living in a country that is very divided. My concern is that the church might feel in the same way. That our identity will be more aligned with our nationality and our preferences than with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that even as we come together to worship, that we don't embrace each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I think that today we, we are going to be challenged, but in a different way. Certainly because of everything that has been going on, we, we, we have made some changes in our local congregation in, in order to adapt ourselves to the situation. And it's not been easy. I've been there. I've been in the meetings. I, I've been in the conversations. And, and it hasn't been really easy. But without a doubt, this season, in some ways... This has been challenging the unity of the church. Today my hope and prayer is that as we spend our time together in the scriptures, God will encourage us as his local church to continue moving forward in this journey, in our journey together. As part of our present sermon series, we will spend our time studying one of the most popular psalms of ascent. Please open your Bibles to Psalm 133. Before reading this chapter, I would like to mention that this psalm was written by King David. And, and we don't really know exactly when he wrote it. Some might say that he wrote it when the whole kingdom, you know, united behind him. But for sure, what he was experiencing, the picture that he was seeing in front of him... What's so different than our reality? But the principles that we see in this passage of scripture for sure apply to every single 
local congregation, therefore, applies to us. This is not a psalm on how to achieve unity. This is a psalm that actually describes it. And when we were planning the series, I choose to teach on this particular psalm because in light of what we are going through, for me the topic of unity is very relevant and exciting at the same time. So exciting that I have entitled my message, that I have titled my message, Muy Bueno. <laughs> you know what Muy Bueno means, right? Very good. When people are learning a new language, their tendency is to use certain words and, and phrases over and over. Phrases that are simple, but at the same time, very meaningful. As someone who was born at the south side of the border, I have noticed that when Americans visit Mexico, they often use the phrase muy bueno. They use muy bueno for pretty much everything that is good, that is beautiful, that is delightful, that is exciting, that is delicious, that is fun, that is positive. The most interesting thing is that whenever they use the phrase muy bueno, every Mexican understands what they mean. The muy bueno phrase in that specific context is broader than just very good. Well, in this psalm, David is about to give us an inspired description of what dwelling in unity looks like. And, the, and to me, you know, this description looks muy bueno. Let me, let me read Psalm 133. Please uh, go to, to your Bibles over there and, and I will read out loud. Please follow me. The word of the Lord says... The following, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down of the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Now, the first thing that I realized uh, when I was studying uh, this passage is that I needed a good biblical understanding of the concept of unity. And after my time of study, I came up with the following definition of what it means to be united in Christ. We are one and we are together. Now, this definition is very important because it will help us not to confuse unity with uniformity or proximity. Unity is not about looking the same, liking the same, or doing the same things. Nor is gathering in the same space every now and then. Unity is deeper than that. Unity is doing life together as one. And I know that this might sound a little confusing. But the fact is that in Christ, we are already one. In Christ, we are already one. You see, at the very moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit unites us not only to Christ, but also to his body, the church. 
The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now after reading this verse, it becomes obvious that this kind of unity is spiritual in nature. The unity that the Apostle Paul is talking about here is higher than the unity that the world promotes and that the world pursues. This is the kind of unity that only the Holy Spirit of God can produce. A unity that exists regardless of how we feel. For the author of unity is God. So we just need to accept and embrace our oneness. We just need to accept that we are one in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Now, let's talk about togetherness. In my opinion, this is going to be a more challenging matter for us. Because the fact is that we like the idea of oneness, but we struggle with the reality of togetherness. Let's face it. I don't think that we all disagree with the fact that it's easier to go to church or to come to church than to do life together with the people of God. Going to church in our Western culture is not really that complicated. However, engaging in community with other believers challenges our individualistic culture. Brian Loritz says, in the West, we have a hard time picking up on the communal dimensions of Scripture. Being held captive by a culture stepped in rampant individualism. I really think that this is one of the biggest challenges for the church today. We have become so good at going to church. For about two hours, we are good. But many of us have no clue on how to engage in minimal and meaningful relationships with some of the people with whom we worship on Sundays. Please look around. Seriously. Look around. Look to those at your right and at your left. Let me ask you. How many of the people in this room do you really know? I know that this might, this might sound like an unfair question. Because it will be impossible to get to know all the people who go in manual faith, their church. But the truth is that we could get to know some of them. You know, I, I, I live in a very difficult space as an immigrant in the United States. When I'm uh, preaching in Spanish and when I am in a congregation of people that uh, mostly look like myself, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> but when I'm in a setting like this one, I I'm kind of shy. I'm an introvert. And the same will happen not only in my preaching but as well in my relationships. And lately the Lord has been challenging me to be the same person regardless of the context in which I am. I think this principle will apply in every area of our, of our lives. It is good to be together one or two, other, or two hours during the week worshiping our Lord together. But it's good as well to do life together out there. To get to know people. 
to talk to them, to listen to them, to rejoice with them, to cry with them, to enjoy with them, to go through pain with them. That's what this psalm is about. Now, if you are struggling with, okay, how can I, in this context, develop a relationship with my brothers and sisters in the faith, let me, let me give you a few uh, ideas. Maybe it's your time to, to join a life group or an adult fellowship. Uh, maybe it's your time to start serving with other believers in, our, in one of our areas of ministry. Or, or maybe this is, this is some, uh, you know, an idea that I, that I really consider, you know, like vital, like super important. What about, what about thinking on the possibility of investing yourself as a disciple of Jesus with another person, discipling him or her? The truth of the matter is that we have endless opportunities to engage in unity within our local church. Now, if you're going through a season in life in which you can uh, only commit to come to church on Sundays, uh, that's okay. We, we get it. We, 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 we have been through some of those seasons in life as well. But still let me challenge you in the following way. Will you help us to create a more welcoming and friendly environment in our local church? Let me put it this way. If Emmanuel Faith is your church, be a great host. This is your home. Invite others. Make them feel, mi casa es tu casa. <laughs> you never know what people around you are going through. You have no idea. So let's show them the love of God and let's make them feel at home. Now, let me, let me suggest the following, okay? This is going to be interesting. I don't know how we are going to respond to this. But, but if you regularly attend to the 9 o'clock classic service, let me challenge you to every now and then, I don't know, maybe once a year at least, go and visit our modern services. I know that our younger generation doesn't appreciate good music. But you know, they are our siblings in the Lord. They are our younger brothers in the faith. The same will apply with visiting the Spanish language service. I mean, even if you don't know a lot of Spanish, you can just, you know, every now and then use the phrase, muy bueno. <laughs> That'll help. My brothers and sisters. Let's not settle on oneness. For God is calling us to pursue togetherness. The problem is that pursuing togetherness, it's certainly not going to be easy. It's going to require some effort. This is why the apostle Paul uh, said in Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. We need to have a passion for unity. A passion to be united with other believers. In Christ, our unity is already there. We just need to have a strong desire to practice it. Mi familia, it's only through the redeeming work of Christ that as his church, we get to experience true unity. 
A unity that is to be practiced, not to be produced. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God according to Romans 5.1. Now it is for us possible to be at peace with one another. Romans 12.18 will say, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. In other words, the peace that comes to Christ enables us to keep the unity of the Spirit. Before coming to Christ, we were dominated by our flesh. We were dominated by our pride. We were dominated by our ego. But now that we are in Christ, in the power of the Spirit, it's possible for us to dwell in unity with one another. It's possible to dwell in unity with other believers. And it's possible to say in the company of the psalmist, behold... How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I love the way how this song uh, begins. Behold, observe, check this out. It is good. It is pleasant. Not only good, but also enjoyable. You know, there are some things that are good, but not necessarily pleasant. And there are a lot of things that are pleasant and not necessarily good. And God is saying that dwelling in unity is both. So good. It's so delightful. It's muy bueno. To dwell in unity in this context means to be one and do life together. And that's our challenge for today. Our challenge is to do life together as one. To do life together as one means more than just getting along or being tolerant or respectful towards each other. Doing life together involves embracing, uh, listen to me, careful. The messiness of relationships. It's about being family and living as such. Isn't that what Ephesians 2.19 says? That we are members of the household of God. To dwell in unity. It's a challenge from God to us. According to Francis Chan. Chan. Pushing the church to live as a family is the very thing that God is wanting to do. You see, we're a family. As pilgrims in this world, we don't travel alone. We are on a journey together. Juntos, remember? And as we travel together, we celebrate and enjoy our unity and our diversity. God has brought us together from many different backgrounds. And he calls us his people. We belong to him. And the truth of the matter is that our differences become insignificant as members of his church. Because we begin to see each other as family. A family of individuals who commonly share the experience of the grace of God in Jesus. 
Biblically speaking, at the very moment of salvation, God transferred us into his family. And now we have an everlasting relationship, not only with him, but with his people as well, with the church as well. Brothers and sisters, we belong to each other. That's the reality of the gospel. That's the reality of the kingdom. We belong to each other. We are not going through this journey alone. We're going together. Let me put it this way. The church is not a place to go. It's a people to whom we belong. And in the way that we love Jesus, we need to learn to love one another. Romans 12, 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Since you are already part of the family now, I have to deal with you. Now I have to be patient with you. Now I need to get to know you. Because I love you. And you love me. We are family. Can you imagine a diverse group of, of people loving each other? Wouldn't that be a true miracle? Well, the will of the Father is that we will love one another. And if we are honest, that's what every single one of us wants. None of us just wants to be tolerated. We need to be loved. According to Tony Evans, the church is a community of individuals Spiritually linked together with the purpose of reflecting the values of the kingdom of God. And without a doubt, one of the values of God's kingdom is love. You see, the church of Christ is the embassy of the kingdom of God to the world. The gatherings of the church should be a space where people can find love, acceptance, equality, justice, and hope. The gatherings of the church should be a space where the followers of Jesus grow in our relationship with God and in our relationship with other believers. In other words, as followers of Jesus, doing life with other believers is part of our purpose of reflecting the values of the kingdom. In the last few weeks, God has given me the opportunity to have a, a few conversations with some of uh, uh, our new newcomers uh, to church. Uh, some young people who have been, you know, like visiting our services and, and I spend, you know, some time with them. And, and they, you know, some of them have asked me the same question. What is Emmanuel Faith doing in regards to social justice? And I really, I really learned to like that question. It's a loaded one. And I liked it because 
It has given me the chance. It it has given me the opportunity to share not about our involvement in social justice events, but about our involvement in creating space in which we can reflect the values of the kingdom of God. You see, the younger generation of non-believers, they they won't be impressed by our buildings or by our programs or by our, our ways of doing church. They will be attracted to love. Isn't that what Jesus said? In John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is why as ambassadors of the kingdom of God to the world, we must champion biblical justice. We must champion biblical peace. We must champion biblical inclusivity. Together, we need to live out the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. A gospel that has the potential to reach every culture, to reach every generation, and to reach every ethnicity. A gospel that has the potential to create intercultural, intergenerational, and interethnic relationships between the people of God. Relationships that will make evident that something is going on. Relationships that will make evident that we have a relationship with God the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. This will make evident that we as well have a communal relationship with his people. Orlando Crespo says that we were made to be in relationship with one another just as God is in relationship with himself in the Trinity. As we know, there's only one God, amen? A God that exists in three different persons that share the same essence. And the three persons of the Trinity coexist in absolute unity. And as the family of God, we are encouraged to pursue an experience with our brothers and with our sisters. The unity that exists within the Godhead. For the oneness and togetherness of the church is the vehicle to which God displays his glory to the people around us. In John 17, 22 to 23, Jesus said when he was praying, the glory that you have given me. I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them as you and me that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. In this passage we see Jesus praying for his followers. And he's praying specifically for the unity of his followers. Jesus is praying that our unity will make the world realize that he is the promised Messiah and that he is the giver of eternal life as John 17, 3 states. So we don't have an option. If we want to be effective witnesses of Jesus to the world, we need to embrace the whole concept of dwelling in unity. 
We need to embrace oneness and togetherness for the sake of those who do not yet believe. You know, Jesus is inviting us to join him in changing the world. But we need to have a strong desire to reflect what it means to have the love of the Father and the presence of Jesus in us. Jesus said in John 17, 26, I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The question is, how can we reflect this kind of love and this kind of presence in our lives to the world? We do it together. And as the church of Christ, we cannot settle for uniformity or proximity. We need to open our hearts to walk and function in unity. For God has decided to send a special blessing and eternal life in the context of those who dwell in unity. You know, the psalmist, in order to illustrate this truth, the truth of the first verse of Psalm 133 uses the image of anointing oil running on the beard of Aaron. And the image of dew falling from Mount Hermon. He says in verse 2, that dwelling in unity is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, down, running down on the collar of his robes. Now for most of us, it will be no bueno to have oil running all over our bodies, right? But for Aaron, this was a great blessing. When Aaron was anointed with a very special oil in Leviticus chapter 8, as the first high priest of Israel, God gave him the authority to approach him on behalf of the Jewish nation. The anointing oil running down from the beard of Aaron represented a beautiful blessing of God over his life and the flow of his blessing to the entire nation of Israel. With this special anointing, Aaron became a minister of God to the Israelites. Then in verse 3, David expresses that dwelling in unity is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Mount Hermon, it's about 9,000 feet high, and it's peak it's permanently covered with snow. Now, even though this mount is about 100 miles apart from Zion, its zoo refreshed and sustained life in the area. The dew falling from Mount Hermon symbolizes the sovereign provision of God for the spiritual needs of his people. When the psalmist compares the unity of the family of God to the anointing oil running down on the body of Aaron and to the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, he's making the following statement. Unity descends from above. It doesn't emerge from within. According to this passage, unity flows from the same place that the blessing of God flows and covers everything. This unity descends from heaven 
In the same way that the Holy Spirit descended over, over a small group of followers of Jesus who were dwelling in unity. And where unity flows, blessing goes. Before the ascension, Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verses, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. This promise was fulfilled only 10 days after Jesus made it on the day of Pentecost. And that day by the proclamation of the gospel in the, on the mount of, Paul, of Peter, over 3,000 people believed. In an unprecedented move of the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to keep in mind that the same spirit dwells in each and every single one of us. Empowering us, yes, to proclaim, but also to love, to care, to serve, and to see one another as members of the same family. Now, to be completely honest... My perception is that the lack of this kind of unity within the church in our country is keeping us from having a greater transforming influence in our society. Reality is that in a society that is rapidly distancing from God, our unity is more important than ever before. So what about if instead of constantly reminding ourselves that we are more divided than never before, what if instead we start reminding ourselves that our unity is more important than never before? My goal is to challenge us to make a bigger effort to relate to one another within our congregation. As members of the same family, I know that this is a cultural challenge. And in a way, I, I don't share it. Since I'm Latino, there's indigenous blood in my veins. And the people from Las Americas, they were extremely communal. That's why we don't struggle, you know, to... Spend time with our families. That's why, you know, uh, having big celebrations that last hours and hours and hours is our thing. <laughs> but we are as well influenced by the Western culture. Because I'm mestizo. There's European blood as well in my body. And that's a challenge. For every single one of us to spend time considering each other as family. But the God of the Bible is a God who accomplishes his plan for the world in the context of perfect unity. There's nowhere to go. Look at the way the psalmist concludes his song. Verse 3 at the end. For there in the midst of the unity of God's people, the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. My brothers and sisters, God in his sovereignty has ordained that the blessing of salvation and the eternal life that comes from above in the person of Jesus Christ has to flow 
in the context of the unity of his people. To this, we should respond. Behold. 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 It's muy bueno when the family of God does life together as one is. Muy bueno. Say with me, muy bueno. I have accomplished my job. Please stand. And let's pray. Let's pray as one. And whenever we finish our service, make sure that as you exit this building, you are smiling. You say hi. You spend a couple extra minutes around on campus. You look for opportunities to invest in others. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. It's only through his name that we have the courage, that we have the permission. Lord, we tremble in your presence. And our desire is to do your will. Our desire, Lord, is to live according to your gospel. Lord, we have done so good for over 80 years our Emmanuel faith. But we are going through some challenges. And those challenges have been evident, Lord. But we rely on you. We depend on you. We are trusting in your word. We are moving forward, Lord. Lord, we are here for much longer until you decide to come back. And in the process, Lord, we want to be well equipped. We want to be a reflection of your glory. We want to show the world that you are the life, that you are the truth, that only in you is salvation. There's salvation. So please, Lord, allow us. Allow us to get excited, to get to know as many people possible in this building, in this campus, on this campus. And please, Lord, uh, give us the affection, the compassion, the sensibility to go through life as, the same, as members of the same family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now. Since I'm the only Mexican pastor on staff, I have permission to do some things differently. Right, Ryan? Please come over, Ryan. I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, it's been a while since I was here. And I want to say thank you to this brother. Because he has been amazing. And... I'm really grateful for the job that he has done and for the empathy that you have shown to me. He's a great listener and he's someone that loves our church. And I just want to create space for us to pray for him. Will you pray with me for him? Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to lift up our brother Ryan. Again, his plans didn't go as he planned. But that's okay because we have him here. And it's a beautiful gift 
that you are giving us to have the opportunity to pray for him. Would you please bless him? Will you please guide him and direct him? Lord, uh, that the love of your people will be overwhelmed, will overwhelm his life. And in the same way that he will continue learning to love every single one of us because we are very different. But Lord, we are your family and you have provided a really good shepherd for our congregation. And we are so grateful for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.